Well, good morning. It's good to be with you. It is a joy, actually, because I will tell you, with my family sick last week, we uh, watched, tried to participate through YouTube. Let me tell you, it is not the same trying to sing songs in our den when, uh, apart from you guys. It just, it just doesn't work. And I will tell you that as great, oh, I get a gift. Yes, and uh, I will tell you as great as Austin's sermon was, and I'm so thankful that he preached, I tell you, it is 50,000 times more difficult to pay attention when you're watching on a screen than when you are in person. So Austin, thank you for your service. Thank you for your flexibility. Uh, appreciate your work. Uh, it was a masterful job last week. Uh, we were encouraged in the Lord. Even in, the, even in our house, we were still encouraged there. So thank you for your work. It's good to be back with you all. I, I, uh, it's, it threw off my whole week, this entire week. Not being at church literally threw off everything that seemed normal. And so I feel like I'm still trying to play catch up on that. I have a confession to make to you guys this morning. When I go to a fast food restaurant, I'm a dollar menu type of guy. So somehow... Five single burgers for a buck each sounds better to me than a single burger that has probably way more beef and better quality for four thirty-five. Okay, uh, I do that for myself, but if I'm paying for others, I don't want to do that to them. Okay, somehow being generous is lost when you say something like, "You can get anything you want as long as it's the cheapest thing." In fact, we have a word for someone like that who outwardly offers you a five-course meal, but is inwardly calculating every bite that you take. It's called being stingy. And ultimately, stingy and being a faithful steward isn't the same thing. Stingy ultimately is a devaluation of people who are made in God's image. I like you, but only the dollar menu level. It isn't good for any person to be called stingy, and it's even worse when we think of God withholding from us. This morning, we are going to see a lavish love from God towards his covenant people, through the means of other covenant people that matters to us as Christians who are God's people through the new covenant in Jesus. And so our goal this morning is to look at God's story of redemption in Ruth and his lavish faithfulness towards his people. And so if you remember so far in the book of Ruth, it is a tragic story of love that is lost and moving away and, and even a, a difficult return only to be met with hope beyond measure by God's kindness towards his people. Remember, Ruth married Naomi's son and he died. In fact, both Naomi's sons died and her husband died. And while they were away from the promised land, when they were in Moab and away from God's people. And so Naomi and Ruth returned to Bethlehem broken and desperately bitter and sad. And yet God's amazing plan of redemption is going to include Ruth and Naomi in ways they cannot yet fathom. And so that's where we're going to be looking at this morning. 
Remember, we have our verse of the series that we'll get to here in a few more weeks in chapter 4, Ruth 4.14, that I hope that as you are sitting at home because of the snow and you are tired of Netflix and Disney+, Plus, you are pulling out your bulletin. You're saying, let's memorize this together because it's good to memorize God's word together. Let's say this together. Uh, Ruth 4.14, it should be on, our, on the screens ahead of us. Blessed be the Lord who has not left you this day without a redeemer. And may his name be found in Israel. Let me pray for our time in God's word. Heavenly Father, we ask that you would do a good work through Ruth chapter 2. That we would indeed see your hand of faithfulness beyond what we could imagine. And then trust you because you are unchanging, because you are faithful, and because you are good. Lord, help us today, we ask in Christ's name. Amen. Well, we are finishing up Ruth chapter 2. Let me give you the, the big idea, the roadmap of where we're going so that you can see how Ruth chapter 2 uh, is saying this very thing. Here's the big idea that we want you to walk away with. When you doubt the care of God in your heart, remember God's redeeming care for his people. When you doubt the care of God in your heart, remember God's redeeming care for his people. And we're going to see that in the last part of Ruth chapter 2, beginning in verse 14 through verse 23. Let me read that for us this morning. Here's, here's where we pick up. In verse 14 it says, And at mealtime, Boaz said to her, to Ruth, Come here and eat some bread and dip your morsel in the wine. So she sat beside the reapers and he passed to her roasted grain. And she ate until she was satisfied and she had some left over. When she rose to glean, Boaz instructed his young men saying, Let her glean even among the sheaves. Do not reproach her. And also pull out some of the bundles for her and leave it for her to glean. And do not rebuke her. So she gleaned in the field until evening. Then she beat out what she had gleaned, and it was about an epa of barley, of barley, excuse me. And when she took it up and went into the city, her mother-in-law saw what she had gleaned. So she also brought out and gave her what food she had left over after being satisfied. And her mother-in-law said to her, Where did you glean today? And where have you worked? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. So she told her mother-in-law with whom she had worked and said, the man's name with whom I worked today is Boaz. And Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, may he be blessed by the Lord, whose kindness has not forsaken the living or the dead. Naomi said to her, the man is a close relative of ours, one of our redeemers. And Ruth said, Ruth the Moabite said, Besides, he said to me, you shall keep close by my young men until they, have finished all, until they have finished all my harvest. And Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, it is good, my daughter, that you go out with his young women, lest in another field you be assaulted. So she kept close to the young women of Boaz, gleaning until the end of the barley and wheat harvests. And she lived with her mother-in-law. 
So we are kind of jumping into the middle of the story where Ruth has already met Boaz. He's already been kind to her. And now we are seeing uh, even a more extravagant kindness from Boaz to Ruth. So if you remember from last week, Ruth was diligently working in Boaz's field and Boaz took notice. He recognized his role in Ruth taking refuge under the wings of God. And he encouraged her not to glean in any other field, but to glean only in his field where he was able to protect her and provide for her and watch over her. In our passage, Boaz didn't invite Ruth to work only, but he also invited her to have protection and provision under his oversight, which included being part of the reapers, being invited in. And so Ruth that night ate better than she had in years, bread, wine, roasted grain with the other reapers with whom Boaz had hired. There was this abundance of food and she was able to eat until she was satisfied. She had leftovers to take home with her. Uh, In verse 14 it says she still had some leftover. And so Boaz is creating a context for Ruth to have abundance, to have security, and to have rest. And then Boaz went a step further, didn't he? Uh, Do you guys notice the five different commands that Boaz gave his servants about Ruth? In verse 15, he commands them to let her glean. He also commands them not to reproach her or shame her for doing so. To not just leave some grain, but to pull out some of the bundles for her in verse 16. To leave it for her to glean and to not hinder her in verse 16. And then not even to rebuke her. So Boaz was being exceedingly gracious towards Ruth. So remember when Ruth and Naomi returned to Bethlehem, they had nothing. They were poor. They were destitute. They were desperate. And so this meal was like an abundant buffet. And the level of gleaning that Ruth could do was unusually large compared to the other reapers. Last week we saw that that Boaz understood his role in Ruth coming under the protection and provision of God. That's why Boaz says, come and glean in my field, okay? Here Boaz is now living out the type of God that we serve. Guys, this is a picture of the glory that we too will have with God. The picture of our eternity with God is not a potluck. Sorry, Baptists. It's not a potluck where we each bring a portion and contribute to the meal of glory. It is the promise of being with God that, that isn't what we bring to the table, but the abundance of what God provides. Ruth brought her brokenness and her poverty and her desperation, and God brings the marriage supper of the Lamb. A meal beyond anything we could hope for. Uh, An abundance of provision and the promise of a covenant family. Do you guys remember Ruth's promise to Naomi? That where Naomi would go, Ruth would go. Naomi's people were now going to be Ruth's people. In fact, Naomi's God was now Ruth's God. Friends, that's the same promise actually in Revelation 21, when, when God is speaking, uh, he says, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. 
And that promise continues on. He says this, He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. Friends, God brings it all for us to share in. The picture of Ruth is with her new people, with abundance and provision and protection. And the promise of God is that though this world will be full of trouble and hardship, we have hope because of Jesus. He has overcome the world. And so there's a day coming when we as God's people will be with God in a fuller way than we have ever known. We, God will dwell with us forever as our God. He will make every wrong right and everything that's been terrible in this world will be no more. Which means, friends, when we think of this abundant provision that Ruth is experiencing now with the people of God, uh, serving the living God, friends, we need to look forward to eternity with God and his abundant provision. Do you ever wonder what being with God will be like? I think often people dread being with God in eternity because we think we're going to be bored. We think that it's just going to be a dread. But the picture of being united with God is far from being bored. It's wonderful. We should look forward to eternity with God the same way that Ruth was delighted to share in the abundance under the protection of Boaz. We bring nothing noteworthy to the table fellowship of God any more than Ruth brought something to the table to share with Boaz. And yet, because of God's mercy, we get to share in all that he has. The Bible describes it as being heirs to the kingdom of God. Friends, the kindness of God is beyond measure. He rewards seekers, whether they seek him with the resolve of Ruth or the resolve of Naomi, who returned home broken but still returned home. And so those who seek refuge in the God of Israel will find to their surprise that it's actually he who has been seeking them. The treasure that he has hidden in a field for them to find is the Redeemer himself. Someone who is willing and able to meet their deepest needs. Friends, this is the astonishing kindness of God. If maybe you're here this morning and you're not sure what you think about God. Maybe you're here this morning and you're not a Christian. And I wonder what a passage like this makes you think about God. You know, usually the world likes to think that God's rules and regulations prevent us from the happiness that we want. But nothing could actually be further from the truth. The truth is that with God comes joy. With God comes blessings. You know, just consider the way that the Bible describes our even very, our, our initial relationship with God. In, in Genesis chapter 1, it says this, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. It's the first thing that God does after he makes them. He blessed them. And God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living creature that moves on the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of the earth, and every tree with its seed in its fruit, 
you shall have them for food. Friends, God does not withhold from his people. He delights in them and blesses them. Think of Genesis chapter 2. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all the work he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it God rested from all of his work that he had done in creation. In fact, even after the fall, when humanity was kicked out of the Garden of Eden because of our rebellion, notice, notice Noah's relationship with God in Genesis chapter 9. It says this, And God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. In fact, God made a special relationship called the covenant with Abraham that was full of blessing. In Genesis chapter 12, it says this, as God is speaking to Abraham, he says, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. In fact, the book of, in the book of Genesis, the word blessing is used 73 times. You know, I wonder if the reason people have often rejected God was because they thought that there was better blessing to be, part, to be had apart from him rather than with him. But in fact, the call for us is to come to Jesus and know the fullness of God. We do that by repenting from our rebellion against God and looking for forgiveness through Jesus who died on the cross taking the penalty of our sin and believing that he defeated death by being raised from the dead. That's how we enter into the family of God and know and begin to know the blessing of God. And so Boaz is embodying Jesus' command to love your neighbor as yourself. He sees what Ruth, who Ruth is. He sees that she has nothing, and he is being abundantly gracious to her. Boaz is living out Jesus' parable of who his neighbor is even to a foreigner like Ruth, who's coming under the protection of the living God. So Christian, remember God's care for you and therefore love your neighbor. God's covenant relationship with Abraham had two parts to it, right? He was going to bless Abraham so that Abraham could be a blessing. Christian, we have been so blessed by God because our debt not in part but in full has been paid it was nailed to the cross and we bear our guilt no more praise the Lord so when we are tempted to doubt God's care in our hearts when we are tempted to doubt God's good plans because we don't see the big picture that God sees and knows remember God's care for you because it's the same care that God shows towards all of his people. 